I came to America when I was six um, from Port-au-Prince, IT. Americans say Haiti, but uh, they say a lot of things wrong. It's pronounced IT. Um, easiest way to think about it is an I and a T, like it, the word it, uh, IT. We speak Creole, which um, people think we speak French, and that's not true. It's a mix between French and Spanish. There are maybe a couple words that come together, but like it's, it would be equivalent of someone from Mexico trying to talk to someone from uh, Portugal. I mean, there are words that connect, but it's a different language. I just remember just being hungry. I lived up in the hills in IT, so we kind of had more money. But compared to America, you know, we didn't really have anything. We at least had our own car, which was huge, um, had our own house, um, and it actually had a toilet inside. A lot of the houses don't have toilets. Here in America, uh, people die every day. Here, All over the world, people die every day. But uh, in America, it's rare to see someone actually die, like truly die. If they do see them, nine out of ten, um, they're in a coffin and they're all cleaned up and they're all, uh, they're looking pretty, I guess. But in IT, you see people die all the time. I was maybe like five years old, maybe six, street kid, and you see people die. I saw people die, but like, you, I registered it, but uh, being so young, I didn't register like the emotional impact to death. In the movies, when someone slashes someone's arm, like, their arm comes clean off. That's actually not like that in real life. In real life, someone's trying to defend themselves. The blade hits the arm. It ricochets off the bone, so it flays the skin. Um, that's 9 out of 10. That's, uh, that's going to happen every time. With the wooden machete, it doesn't fillet the skin. A metal one is strong and sturdy, so it flays. There's this gentleman, obviously don't fucking know his name, he had an altercation with someone, and his arm was hanging off of his arm. We just followed him, and I just remember the bigger kids were, like, laughing at him, and I was laughing at him, too. Um, and we just were waiting for him just to die so we could take his shit. That's what we did. We just waited. And, you know, he went to the beach, and he built himself a fire. And this gentleman was mumbling to himself, and it, when he was mumbling, he was already on, on his back on the ground. And we've already stripped him of his shoes and we we're stripping him of his shirt. And he knew we were doing this to him, but he, obviously he wasn't really focused on that. I didn't think much of it because we've done that multiple times to multiple people. And then once they die, the respectful thing to do is push them in the water. The mentality was different because, like, it was all about power. And if the bigger you are, the stronger you are, the more power you have. But when I moved to America, obviously that was when things changed. My younger sister and my father, uh, we moved to Florida because that's where everyone from the islands go, whether you're from Bahamas, DR, Jamaica, you go to Florida. I, I never had orange juice before. I never had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich before. I never had a pop. You move to America and you have 30, 40 different types of bread. 
I threw up. I threw up 20 minutes into after eating all that food because I've never actually had fake food before. I've never had fake food. I've always had 100% natural whatever I was eating <laughs> was 100% natural. There was The seasoning was even natural. There was, the, believe it or not, the salt and pepper you get here isn't really natural because it goes through layers and layers and it's processed. I had real salt before, and real salt does not taste like how the salt here tastes at all. It's more bitter and it's like um, the texture is not, it's just completely off. My English when I was six was not what you hear now. I went to speech therapy. Uh, I went to two preschools. My English was trash. I came to America on my dad's visa and then I lived with uh, I guess my new uncle and auntie, which were just my dad's friends um, in Minnesota, and they took care of me. In a way, they kind of like adopted my sister and I uh, while my dad went back home. While this was all happening, I was still getting um, registered to become an American citizen, and becoming an American citizen takes years. It's not a two-day thing. It takes years of process. You have to take a psyche vow. And you have to, like, they ask you all these freaking questions. Um, even as a child, like, questions you're like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I'm fucking six years old. Barely speak your fucking language. I, I was diagnosed with a lot of mental illnesses. So I did th think, I was, I was curious. I was like, fuck, am I crazy? But I was always reassured by my papa, by my father, that, uh, when you live in a third world country and then move to a first world country with no time to assimilate, uh, one will act in a way that could be considered uh, mentally ill to the first world standards. There was this, uh, these Legos, and I never fucking played with Legos before, and I thought they were really cool. I was like, what? These are awesome. Uh, all the toys in America were fucking awesome. They didn't break right away, you know? So <laughs> they were fucking cool. But there's like these wings to make a ship. And this kid had the wings, so I just just grabbed it out of his hands and started playing with it. And this bitch ass like went and told on me, and like I get you know I got in trouble in middle school. I got into fights. All the that's when I actually got into fights. Fights, fights I lost, fights I won, and fights I won only through moral victories. It was it was fucking stupid. I, we were playing kickball and like he wasn't passing the ball. Someone was like making the bases and I was, I don't I just got way too aggressive. I should have just it was a fucking kickball game. I should have just like let it go. But I grabbed the ball and then like he tried grabbing the ball for me and like he pushed me down. He was a bigger kid, but he wasn't expecting me to just fucking lunge at him because I just fucking lunged at him. I remember like hitting him, and as much as I like to say I'm a fighter, I wasn't. I was fucking like biting his neck and biting his ear, and his ears started to bleed, and that's when he started screaming. And even though we made up about it, like, he's probably still feeling type of way because that's now a physical scar his whole life now. When I moved to Minnesota at the time, I was living with my sister. I also had an older brother and sister, and they lived in IT. And I uh, had, you know, a mom and dad, and they lived in IT at the time as well. When my sister and I found out I was in school, we were sent to the principal's office, and I thought I was in trouble again because I was either one, I was skipping class, it was someone I hurt, or something. Um, but when I get in there, my sister's in there, and she's kind of nervous, and she was like, Ube, 
And I was like, I don't fucking know why I'm here. Ube is like, uh, what's up? Or like, what's going on? Um, kind of like Sakbase. Sakbase is like, hey, man, what's up? Um, but Ube is like more of like, hey, what's going on? And more of like a concerning way. In 2010, there was like that earthquake. So, you know, like my mother and father and my older brother and sister, they passed away in the earthquake at the time. I obviously didn't believe it, and my sister didn't believe it, but when we flew back right away, you know, we believed it pretty quickly. After my parents passed away and my older brother and sister, my whole life changed. For years after, I was very angry. You know, anger, that feeling of, like, maybe if I was there, bullshit. I had that ideology for years, um... And then I remember coming back, the whole school like rallied together and started building a fund. And we were under 18 at the time. So we got adopted by Mike and Carrie, the friends of, I guess, uncle and auntie. And the school started raising money for us. At the time when IT had, you know, the earthquake, uh, Wyclef, um, there was, like, all these art, like, singers, musicians, they did, like, We Are the World, but for IT, um, countries were pouring millions of dollars into the relief for IT for the earthquake. So the school at the time were like, oh, whoa, since we, you know, they have two Aishans there, so they all started putting money into it, and everyone treated me way different. My sister and I were the only real immigrants. Um that were at that school. The other blacks were American black, but three of the other blacks were adopted by a white family and only lived in suburbs, so they didn't understand like the marginalized black individual. That's one thing white people don't understand when like there are levels to black where if you live in an all white area and you're black, like it's hard because you have to understand the mind games and the sh- manipulations and the passive aggressiveness that white people play. Whereas in the hood, you're just more real. You're just it's it's a whole different vibe, and white people conjugate to those who speak like them more. The hood niggas that don't, they're they're a monolith, and black people that aren't, you know, just aren't a monolith. So white people tend to go with those blacks that dress like them, that sound like them, and. To those white people, they think they have a black friend. To those white people, they think they're part of the black community, but they're really not. Because the real black community are still paying for what their grandparents had to pay for. And it's certain dues of just slavery. Like Most people don't know what the projects, how the projects were formed, or even what a sundown town is. We ran away from Mike and Carrie, and we moved to Montana first. We only had a little bit of money that we stole from Mike and Carrie. It was like a few thousand. And we literally left. We couldn't get on a bus because we tried that. Too young. You need an ID. So that meant we couldn't get on a plane and we couldn't get on a train. And at the time, there was no such thing as Uber. So we took taxis and we just lied. and like, oh, yeah, we're just heading there. Long story short, we get to Montana and... My sister and I started scamming people. For years, we became scammers. We would just do quick scams because we learned quickly. Americans don't, they only pay attention to surface level shit. They're so focused on their own worlds. Like uh, I like did Boy Scouts and my sister did like Girl Scouts. 
And all you have to do is wear the uniform and walk up to these houses and just ask for money. And we definitely had cookies, but we didn't have like the Boy Scout cookies. We just literally had just random cookies we got at Kroger. And we moved from Montana to North Dakota, South Dakota, till we got to Texas. I'm 16 in Texas. My sister is around 12 years old. That's when our scams got to get a little bit more more risk-taking. My parents have already passed away at this time, and I was angry. My sister was angry, too, and I was not the person that I needed to be for my sister. And even though I took care of my sister and my sister took care of me in ways that I can't pay back, one of the scams that we would do is um, my sister and I would scam older, preferably white dudes because they seem very attracted to my younger sister. Uh, my sister would meet up with these gentlemen um, at a restaurant or a McDonald's and just talk. She would never get in their car, um, but she would say favors and stuff that she would like to you know, do with these guys. And I would always be sitting at a table nearby and none of them ever suspected me. And these men were in their 40s. I, I don't know their lives extensively, but I do know that some of them were married. And my sister and I would just call on these fucking old guys. Like what we were doing was actually really dangerous. And I didn't really realize how dangerous it was because I was like, oh, I have a knife. Like, you know, like they're not going to do shit to you. They did try to get her in the car to go on a drive every time. But usually they just sat and they just talked. But they would always give my sister like a $100. And like to us, we're like, oh, dude, a $100? That's, well, that's great. We just created a Facebook and... Then, yeah, men would just, can you please be my jungle queen or stuff like that? And it's like banana shit. And then we would, like, look at their profile and see what they are. And then we just pick them. As much as I like to say it was a continuous cash flow, it wasn't like that. It was just another way to make money. The best way to make money at the age that we were and my English was fairly good at the time. We would just say, hey, we're looking for our parents or, hey, we're trying to get home. What, did you have any extra money? And white people just ate it up because our English was fucking amazing. Like, my English even now, like, no one would know I'm from another country. I always thought I was an idiot because my grades weren't the best. Um, my grades were always, even when I tried, they weren't good. A lot of stuff came hard to me, like math and English and all that jazz, especially English. Like, the wordage, writing, everything. The theirs were hard for me at the time. Um, I've never had a job that I stuck with because I never had a job that made me feel like it's worth living for. I never had a job that made me feel like I'm truly evolving. I've been learning, but not evolving. I've worked at landscaper, movie theater, uh, daycare, um, welder, um, forklift driver, McDonald's, Burger King. I worked at an art gallery diving instructor i've worked as a, a little league like coach i've been a commercial painter i've done murals for companies um in fact that's what i'm doing right now i've been doing more illegal painting than i have done legal painting of course but i do believe it's possible to do illegal shit without being a piece of shit so what i mean by that is if you're gonna do some illegal painting like graffiti 
Don't hit orphanages. Don't hit schools. Don't hit fences. Don't hit homes. Don't hit cars. Don't hit private garbage cans. Don't hit mailboxes. Hit underground tunnels. Hit box trucks. Preferably talk to the owner. That's me. I'll always talk to the owner first because it's someone's personal property. But if it's a giant like Kroger van or a Walmart van, hit that shit all day. Um, anything big corporate, one of the seven. So like Walmart, Kroger, McDonald's, something like that. Fucking go crazy. But it makes no sense because they clean that shit overnight. So do with that information as you will. For me personally, I don't really care for the word graffiti because the connotation it's still like a very like grungy underground scene for like the public to see images because they're used to seeing letters. Um, so when it comes to graffiti, I don't really like the word graffiti because it has this negative connotation of gangs. I've been homeless for about eight years now. My sister has a place of her own. She actually has a child now with her boyfriend and my sister's making like $33 an hour and she's she's doing great. My sister is fucking fine. My fear is people to know I'm houseless until I tell them. And even when I tell them like, oh, I've been homeless for years, they look at my clothes and they're like, well, you don't, I would never know you're houseless. And I'm like, yeah. I sleep on rooftops because I'm too um, scared to sleep on the ground. There's a fine line between paranoia and precaution, and that line's based on perspective. If an individual's been hurt before, they're going to take precautions that others may perceive to be paranoid. And learning that, I sleep on rooftops because the way I dress does not look homeless. And amongst other homeless people, they can see that as well, and that you're more of a target. I've learned I can get anything I want as long as I help people. If you help someone, not only will you feel good, but you'll get things in return, especially if you tell them you don't want anything. If you help someone achieve their goals, you'll never have to work for a fucking thing. The more people you help achieve goals, they'll buy you new clothes, they'll buy you a backpack, they'll get you free time at any art collective, you'll be able to go anywhere and everywhere. If you learn to help people accomplish goals and don't ask for money. I never built my foundation off of money. The truth is, if you ever want to live a good life, in my opinion, you have to do things without the expectation of a reward. You have to do it for you. Because if you give yourself an expectation of reward, there is a possibility for doubt, possibility for fear, and ultimately failure. <laughs> so, nah. If you're ever going to do something for someone, do it because you want to do it. And that's should be the only reason maybe some water if you're helping someone dig a hole maybe ask for some water but ask for nothing in return and they feel weird they feel really weird and that's when they start giving you shit without you even asking they always feel like they owe you and real power is that where yeah you have people that owe you but true power not real power but true power is not taking what they believe they owe you because you have to remember, if they give you stuff, it's because they themselves feel like they have to do it. Because they've been conditioned to believe that there has to be a reward for someone. So you yourself have to break their conditioning as well. Money is the middleman. No one really wants money. What they want is what comes with money. That's why people want money. 
That's all the reason. If they could get what they needed without money, they would not even think about fucking money. So why don't people keep like think like that? I'm like one of the only people that think like that. Words are just uh, verbal hieroglyphs, you know, constructs like morality and time. The future is the past being presented to us. Our perception of time is flawed. You know, even when pain, it's still our body, it lags till it, um, the nervous system affects our brain. So there's like, what, 0.3 seconds before we are consciously aware of pain or light or any of our sensations. So we're always in the past and the present's an illusion. This conversation that I'm having right now has already happened. This whole interaction has been deleted, lost, destroyed, or someone's listening to it years down the road. This has already happened, all right? So my future is now your past if you're listening to this. You feel me? Even to this day, those concepts are I hold on to them. I'm like, yo, the future is just the past being presented to me, which means I'm in the distant past only trying to get farther in the distant past <laughs> and the moment that I'm having already passed. So it's like, it's not even real. And it's an illusion. If you even go off of science, you know, how we perceive time. I just started thinking about death a lot and started thinking about like dying. And then I started realizing like, if I die now, what's my sister going to do in the future? And I started realizing like, oh wait, if I die now, her future, that means I'm her past. And then I started thinking, holy fuck, if I have a kid and they have a kid, that means I'll be a grandfather. That means my whole life is that kid's past. So when I'm telling that kid what happened in 2012 or 2001, that kid's going to look at me like I'm some prehistoric ancient. So it made me start thinking, holy shit, wait, time is all off. I was taught fucking lies about time. And then you start paying attention, start realizing Night and day is a human concept. The The planet's still going around in the same fucking circle. Like, it's no night and day. We just call it that. It's one continuous beam. Night and day is not real. It's a construct. I always am curious on how I'm going to die. We're all going to die, some of us more loudly than others. You've probably heard the phrase, uh, we die twice in this world, um, once when our body leaves this earth, and the second is when our, when our name is spoken for the last time. But I believe that's to be bullshit. We will misinterpret people like we do words all the time because of, of our own emotional connections to words or behaviors of people. I think we only die once in this world. You, when you die, you die. And who you are in the eyes of others is a skewed, biased perception of you that isn't even you. Who you are is no longer you to everyone else. We've all played telephone. The difference between the honest and being truthful. Most humans, almost all humans, can't be truthful. We can only be honest. Truth is unbiased objective boom facts but honesty is a bunch of perspective and that's flawed it's biased humans all have patterns we call it a personality it's a pattern of thought that creates a personality anything from a human is an opinion always remember that and anything that you see is perspective <laughs>